Hi there, and welcome to the Amy Kunkel Audio Hour. Before I get to today's episode, I just want to thank you so much for all of the support and encouragement as I am definitely knee-deep in the book launch for Unbound Allegiance. It's been out for just over a month, and I'm starting to really feel the love from my newly formed community. So thank you so much for that. And if you haven't purchased my book yet, I decided I'm going to leave the price for the paperback at $11.11 because that just seems to be aligning for me and maybe it will be aligning for you as well. You can also get the Kindle version for $4.44. So you see the pattern here. Um, I just want to make it more readily available for people. So that is all I have right now for announcements. Let's get on to today's show. I am interviewing Christy Bartelt. She is a certified hypnotherapist as well as a rapid transformational therapist or RTT. She's also working on a certification as an emotional resolution practitioner. So we are definitely talking about emotional healing today. Some of the topics that we cover in the episode, how, uh, physical and mental health crisis led her to deep dive into healing. We discuss both RTT and emotional resolution and how something like guilt is resolved. We also discuss her awakening and how it has affected her previous beliefs as a Mormon. If her husband has been on this same journey of awakening and how her parenting has shifted during this journey as well. So I really enjoyed talking to Christy. I hope that you enjoy the interview. Let's go to the show. I would love to share just your experience with my audience. So give us a little background about you. Sure. It seems like such a broad um, topic. So I turned 40 this year, so I've got lots of different phases of me. So I grew up in Utah, Salt Lake City. And so there's like a Mormon piece to my story, like a Christian background, which is um, an interesting uh, thread that weaves throughout my adult life um, and kind of colored my childhood. And then I moved away, I moved to Seattle when after I graduated college. And it was when I was living in Seattle that I met my husband and my husband is from Wisconsin. And so I said I would never live in the Midwest And he said, okay, so he moved to Seattle and now I live in the middle of central Wisconsin. So (laughs) you know who plays a better long game there. Um, I have lived now in Wisconsin since 2005, so 14 years. So I'm kind of, I'm getting to the place in my life where soon it'll be more time here than anywhere else, which is a little startling. Mm -hmm. I have two children. I have a nine-year-old boy and a seven-year-old boy. And I surprisingly love the Midwest. Um, because this is where I basically finally did a lot of healing that I think I might have been running from, from my childhood that chased me to Seattle, 
And then it caught up with me here as things do when you have children. So that's kind of like an overview. Um, And my healing led me to what I do now, which is help other people heal through rapid transformational therapy, something that I do, and then some other modalities that I use. But that's Christy in a nutshell. I'm a meditation junkie. I would say it's my number one hobby. And yeah. Yay. That's amazing. Um, I am basically from the Midwest and have lived all over, but I probably drive through your town on my way from Ohio up to Minneapolis. So very possible. It's very, I'm very close to Wausau. So, which is a bigger, bigger city around here. Okay. Well, that's great. It's lovely to meet you and yes, you too. Um, well, that's exciting. I want to talk about your awakening because I know that you did have a very pivotal moment in your life that changed some, maybe your thinking. And so let's just spend a little time there. Would you share about your, your health awakening? Absolutely. So, um, when my youngest son was six months old, we had just moved to this town that we live in now. I had my appendix ruptured and my appendix ruptured. I go to the hospital and I get one of these hospital super bugs and it was quite a traumatic experience. And afterwards I came out of the hospital and I never regained my health. I couldn't get well. And it became very obvious that, um, at the same time, kind of coinciding with this appendix rupturing as the universe brings all these things together, I had, I was no longer working full time. I had become a stay at home mom. So it was like, here, you're a stay at home mom. A week later, here's this appendix rupturing. And now you are about to face um, having two small children and also like trying to not be a walking zombie or laying zombie, if you will. So I healed. It took a couple of years, but I worked with functional medicine doctors and I healed my physical health finally, which was honestly, it's like, I thought I was like a gold medalist in the life Olympics. I was like, I've won, like I'm back, it's me again. And it was at that point that I realized that, by the way, Christy, this has all been leading you to this point where you need to now address your mental health, which is an awakening, right? That's what you're talking about. And so um, I was lucky enough to be in a position where, well, as the universe does, it started slotting things in for me, a book here and a friend there and meditation app here. And that's where I fell into this knowledge that the person I thought I was for my whole life was this compilation, this made up set of beliefs that I had been carrying around. And I got the, the, the luxury, the privilege, the pain of meeting my real self through this. And that's kind of how I got to my awakening. And it really started with this idea that there's something mentally that I need to address. Meditation flowed into my life and meditation was like this, boom. It was everything that religion had always said I needed that I was trying to get through religion. But for me, because of my childhood upbringing, I had to get in a different way so that I could come back around to God without the the belief structures that I had as a child so I could finally meet God in the way that I'd always been looking for. So that's my awakening, I guess, if you will. Wow. That, that is incredible. And it definitely aligns a lot with mine, with my background in the church and just recently. And it was when I turned 40 that I had my 
awakening and it, it wasn't anything huge, but you know, a lot of people I feel like come have this awakening by way of like a health scare or even just food related somehow, because I really know, you know, our food has a lot to do with our own emotional balance. And so that's exciting. How has, just because I'm curious and a lot of people that follow me are curious about the, how you maybe set aside some of the like religious dogma per se, and how, how that relates to how you live now. Yeah, that was a struggle, actually. It was definitely a conflict in me um, because, so you're raised one way, right? And this is like, you grow up in a church of whatever shape or form in a community as we're meant to be in a community. And you think, this is my truth. This is what it is. This is the one path, the one way. So um, for me, when I left Utah, I left, well, actually when I graduated from high school, there's, there's more elements to my story and the religion piece that are probably, you know, saved for another day. But suffice it to say, I left Utah quite bitter about how I was raised and the religious system because I had not yet separated God from religion. And it took me from the time I was 18 until the time I was 33 to wrestle it down, to pin it down, mm -hmm. um, because I was still trying to do all the things I had learned growing up in a different structure, which in retrospect was, I just wanted people to like me and tell me that God loved me. I was looking for that love that they said God gives by way of acceptance from the people at whatever church I've picked. And it was like, oh, I'm not finding it here. I'm not finding it here. So the thing that kind of stripped that away was, and I think why people have these big awakenings after an illness is I think God's chasing us the whole time, like mm -hmm. tapping on the shoulder here and there. But until it gets so painful that we can't do it anymore, we don't pick up the cues. So that's why everybody's like, it was this and then it was this because it had always been coming. But we're like, nope, I'm not going to deal with that now. I'm going to leave that for later. That'll be 10 years later. <laughs> that's not even important until one day it becomes so important. It's like you have to give up control in order to get whatever back. So stripping away the beliefs was like a, well, who am I? Who am I? And it wasn't until I was like, okay, so if God says I'm lovable and I've never felt lovable, is that because God doesn't love me or because all these things I've learned are keeping me away from whatever this is? And so, okay, well, let's start questioning each and every thing that pops up as something that's not lovable in me. Is that true? No, that's actually not 100% true. Well, what is the untruth in it and how do we like unravel that thread? And I feel like I probably took a lot longer to do this than other people because at the time I didn't ask for any help. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I think it takes people a long time. So please don't, <laughs> don't get down on yourself. But I mean, um, when I boil it down to like, how did I break away from the belief structures? It wasn't until I truly loved myself that I was like, holy crap, if I can love me, this is what it feels like to be loved. This is what everybody's talking about. I pray, pray until you feel it. Actually, I needed to like unpray. I needed to be like, okay, who, who are you without prayer? What is a different form of prayer than what you learned? That's why I said it had to come around the other side because um, I'm a rule follower. I was raised an only child. 
I was raised in a codependent home. So it's like, let me help you feel better so that I can feel better. Yeah. And so I was codependent with God. Let me just give you all the things and then you'll love me. And I had to unlearn that belief structure mm -hmm. and I needed something totally different, which was what meditation gave me. It was like, here, there's some Buddhists that taught this. Let's, let's listen to what those Buddhists have to say, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's actually when you kind of boil it all down afterwards, it's like, this is all the same thing. It's just different words. Oh and these gosh. words reached my heart in a way that the rest couldn't all these years. Absolutely. Yes. I love it. All, all of that. I, I agree with <laughs> all of that. And it's all, all that same stuff is in my book. So I love that we actually align so much. I had no idea. Well, <laughs> let's talk about how you got into the whole RTT thing, because I love, I felt like when I went through my awakening, I followed Just Lively and that's kind of how we got connected uh, through our flow with intention group. And she talked about RTT. I've only done regular hypnotherapy, but I'm definitely interested in RTT. So how did that, what did you do before? So you were a stay-at-home mom and did you do anything? And then this was like your new career? Okay. Yeah, so I graduated college with a marketing degree and I went to work for an insurance company, an auto insurance company. And I did what any good only child that's looking for approval does, which is I was really good at my job. And I got a lot of my self-esteem from um, getting good reviews and getting promotions. So I worked in that industry for the same company for 10 years. Um, and that's the company actually where I met my husband. We both did the same job. So it was I had spent a decade getting my self-worth from the job that I went to. Then I'm a stay at home mom, everything falls apart because if we're looking back at it now, it's like, well, clearly you were no longer had anywhere to get your self-worth from because kids don't give you an automatic, like every six months you don't get a report on what you're doing at parenting. Here's your strengths, here's your opportunities. This is what you should do going forward. Like we're gonna create an action plan. That would you know, be good though. Oh, I, I had a conversation with my husband and he's like, are you asking me to do this for you? And I was like, no, if you did that, we would probably have to get a divorce. Like at no point should you be performance reviewing my motherhood journey. Um, so I did that before and then I was sick and then I was well, and I heard about RTT through Jess Lively as well, but it was a sparked recognition. Marissa Peer is the founder and creator of RTT. And it was like, that's the woman that a year ago I watched a YouTube video that was like so resonant with me. And then I couldn't find it ever again or who she was. Like, I was like, it's that woman. So wow. I had been meditating for a while at that point. Like I really felt healed, quote unquote, heard about RTT. And I was like, well, I'm going to give that a try. I remember that woman from YouTube. Like, this is amazing. And I had a session on, done on myself. And it blew the doors off of my self-esteem. Like it was like, you thought you felt good. Let me show you what true unconditional love for yourself is. It was like, boom. Wow. And I realized after I had that session, I just had a knowing. I'm like, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to train in this. Because what you, uh, when I, I was a manager at the company I worked for, and um, I could see in people the things they couldn't see in themselves. And I tried to manage to their strengths to help them grow in that way. And I was like, Christy, you've been trying to do the same thing where you can see the underlying like goodness in people. 
but it's bouncing off their belief structures. Like it's like, oh, I can't let that in because that doesn't align with who I think I am. This is the way to go around that. And that's how I randomly out of the blue was like, okay, well, my kids are going back to school soon. I'm going to start working. So this thing, RTT is amazing. And I learned from Jess Lively through flow with intention that what's my intention set out what I want. I want a flexible job that I can help people in that I really love. And it was like, Oh, by the way, it's already right here. And that's how I got into doing this work. Wow. That's exciting. Um, and how long, just because our paths may not have crossed exactly at the same time, was has it been like two years or something like that? Because I feel I've like... been doing RTT for two years. I've been practicing okay. RTT for two years. And then um, my introduction to RTT through Jess was six months before that, right when she first um, yeah. launched Flow with Intention. I was in that first, her first group, if you will. Okay. Yeah. I think I was in the second group and the Marissa Peer interview, I just went back to look was the summer of 2017, I think. Was it? So yeah. yeah, it's just, it's so amazing how these podcasts and people sharing like this can really actually impact real people's lives. You know, like mm-hmm. you have a new career and a totally aligning direction that you're going in right now just because of listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing when you think about the reach of something like that. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. So tell me about this new emotional resolution thing, because I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's funny. So talk about groups that kind of bring you things. I had like randomly, I'm in this uh, Facebook group and somebody was like, oh, you should try this emotional resolution thing. I'm like, what the heck is that? But you know, something piques your interest and you're like, you can't put it down. You're Mm -hmm. like a dog chew toy if you want to use a just lively thing so i looked at it and i was like oh this sounds really interesting the idea that there's a somatic function that's a natural biological process that helps us like regulate unwanted emotions okay hmm. i'm gonna have as i did with rtt i'm gonna have a session on myself so um cedric bertelli is the man in the united states who basically teaches this and then there's he's like the umbrella he's the person that everything kind of trickles down from him so I had a session with him and it was so cool. It was meditative and like somatically in touch with my body. And then also this weirdly neutralizing factor that could like just take away. I can't, I mean, it's hard to even describe like having that session. I was like, okay, I'm so intrigued by how this works. How do I find out more? And it's not like there's a book about it. You can't read. Marissa Peer has books. She's got all these TED Talks, whatever. Um, so he's like, well, I do trainings. Would you want to train in it? And I'm like, sure, let's do that. Yeah. So I am kind of like in the apprentice phase or whatever. Like I've gone through the first part of the training. I have another part this weekend. But what it really is in the coolest way is it allows you to take like a current day issue that you're having where you're like, every time my kid, you know, doesn't use his napkin at the dinner table, I get so angry. I can't, I don't understand why I get so angry. So it's like, all right, take me back to that moment. Like, tell me about it. You're sitting at the dinner table. What do you see? Until you have this present moment um, response of this emotion that you want to get rid of. And then you tap into your body sensations. 
And it's through these allowing these sensations, like you're just watching them with curiosity, your body is like, oh, instead of stopping and trying to use all these things we've been taught, like don't say anything, breathe, like what other coping tools can we have? You just allow your body sensations to basically complete what they've been trying to do. It neutralizes the emotion, almost like across space and time, if you will. So wow. it's very strange. And I had this experience actually in the training where I did um, an emotional resolution. One of the other participants did it on me. And it was about reactions I was having when my son would, one of my two sons is incredibly um, competitive. Like I've never, I'm like, who, I don't understand this level of competition with Uno. Like it's insane to me. Okay. And so, but he throws these tantrums if he doesn't win. And there's something in the tantrum that like clenches me up. I just can't, it would just bring on. And then I would have to like, don't yell at him. You know, he's in his feelings. You need to not attack. You're the mother, be the grown up. Um, and so I had this other person learning, do an emotional resolution on it. And I feel like a different person. Like my kid will have his tantrums. I'm like, oh, that's annoying. Like it doesn't clench me up anymore because when you allow the emotion to basically somatically just process as your body wants to do, your body doesn't have to hold that almost like it's gotten um, paused. And so every time it's this thing that pushes play on it again, you've allowed the story to play all the way through. So you don't have to bump into it every time the same situation happens. Does that I'm still trying to find a really eloquent way of describing this, um, mm -hmm. but it's so new to me that I feel like it's gotta be through storytelling for me yet. So does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes, I like the idea, like you said, it's like a trigger that plays out and you're able to hit pause and feel it. I feel like that's part of a, a difficulty I have is feeling an emotion. So it's almost like you have to educate people how to feel how do you feel something in your body like that? I mean, so that's, yeah. there's a lot to and that. Spoiler alert, it's just sensations. You don't have to be, it's funny because as Cedric was teaching this, he's like, it doesn't matter what the person calls the emotion. It doesn't matter if they label it anger or sadness or frustration. Like that's the word so that they know what it is and in their mind have a connection to it. It's just the physical sensations that come up in these trigger points that you're actually resolving. So it's not like we're like, okay, that's anger. Find where anger lives in your body. It's like, no, okay, tell me what sensations you are currently right now feeling in your body. And when people do this for the first time, they're like, I had no idea. Like, oh, it's, it, it's awareness. It's literal awareness. And then stepping back curiously and not employing all of our multitude of coping skills to try to suppress or stop it. We just let it play out as a sensation Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. So yeah. that's kind of what emotional resolution in, is in a nutshell. And it is incredibly complementary to what I do with RTT because it's shocking how few of us know how to feel our feelings until they don't need to be felt any longer. Mm -hmm. And so this is a way to see that in a body way, like connected with our physical body. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So I a question popped up in my psyche because a lot of people have talked to me lately about guilt, which mm. is interesting because it's both of our backgrounds probably have a lot of that word. Yeah. And I am wondering if that is a feeling or if it's more just associated with like a past like connection. Yeah. And how do you get cool. rid of it? <laughs> or how yeah. do they get rid of it? 
Excellent. So two different answers to that, I guess, depending on how you want to approach it or like a culminate a combination of the two. RTT, you're dealing with the underlying event that created the situation in the first place in order to let that go. Because when you can put actual awareness and understanding around something, you can then let it go in a way that you can rewire your brain. So a lot of times those things are trapped. So it's like two ways to get at the same thing. RTT, you've got this trapped emotion based on an event in your life where you've taken meaning about yourself, right? And generally it's not necessarily guilt so much as shame that's the mm. problem. So guilt is a catalyzing emotion. Like I feel guilty. Should I feel guilty? Should I apologize or make something right? Shame is I've done something and that means I'm bad. Not that the action that I took is bad and needs to be resolved, but there's something inherent in me that's wrong, which is mostly what's going to be this underlying issue, right? That we feel like because we made this choice, we're shameful. So right. an RTT angle is you're coming at it as like a set of circumstances and belief patterns that needs to be resolved. It's 100% that. That's absolutely true. When you look at it from the emotional resolution standpoint, it's like, okay, well, when you have guilt and shame created in you, that is an unresolved emotion that you've never let complete. And so it's trapped. And every time you have something, it's like basically pushing the play button on it again. It's like, here it is, play, and then you feel the feeling. Whereas when you let it resolve through emotional resolution, it's going to make it so it plays all the way through and you don't have to keep having it. You're like, I'm done with it. Like, I don't have to play that story anymore. Mm -hmm. So there are two different ways to do it. I find they work really well together. I think RTT is like the big guns and emotional resolution is like, this is an everyday protocol you can really learn to use for yourself to get all the little underlying tensions and feelings neutralized to release dis-ease in the body overall. Right, yeah, like a big picture and then like a tweaking or, um, yep. yeah, just really getting that very specific emotion or situation to be resolved. Yeah, and RTT comes with an understanding, like you're like, this is why that happened. Whereas emotional resolution is like, you don't have any understanding, you just have a process. There's part of me that wants an understanding. It needed an understanding about a lot of things in my childhood. And there's parts of me that just need to be done with stories mm -hmm. that I don't need to have an understanding of. So it's like right. two angles on the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good way to look at it because I think I read the book, Letting Go. Have you read that? Oh, honey, my it's like top book of this year. I love it. I reference it. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Right. So that it made me think of that because I just, I approach negative emotions and things that happened and whatever, like just let it go. But you know, some things aren't that easy. Some things people have a real story around. And so something like RTT or the emotional resolution is just a tool in your toolkit that people can help to heal permanently, hopefully. And you tell me, Amy, so the book is amazing. The Pathway mm -hmm. to Surrender is like fantastic. But did you leave the book going, but how do I let go? Like what's the <laughs> what's the process, the protocol that I use? Did you, am I the only bit. one that left that book thinking that? No, I feel like I had to use that as just one sort of stepping stone because and maybe find the answers on my own so yeah yeah I definitely agree
Well, so I had read that book and then it was coinciding with me learning about emotional resolution. And I was like, oh, this is the way in real time you let go when you know you're having a negative reaction that's like low vibe. Yeah. This is the mechanism. Yeah. Well, great. Well, that's, that is exciting. Um, One of the questions I thought of when I found out you're in the Midwest, but you also have lived on the West Coast where I've also, I've lived on both coasts and Southwest and Midwest. (laughs) But tell me how you feel like this kind of thing, the energy healing, the things that are maybe more woo woo. um, Like I would really love to like integrate it and normalize it in our society but I feel like the only thing that is normalized is talk therapy and I've done plenty of that it just takes forever and it really doesn't finish you know doesn't totally heal things so how do you feel like the midwest or maybe different cultures or parts of the country resist these kinds of things or do you think it's coming and we just of course, we just keep moving moving with it. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, there's different parts of the country that are more wooey, if you will, or like hippie or whatever you wanna call it into alternative things. But the thing that I've actually found is the more open I've been about the things that I find interesting and that I'm into and that are all of these things, the more people are just like already there. They're here. They're just, I didn't know because I wasn't talking about it. So they didn't know to talk about it with me. Right. So it goes to Brene Brown's like whole, her whole body of work about vulnerability. When you're, when you're being your authentic self and owning all parts of you in that way where you're like, yeah, oh, well, yeah, I meditate, even though I'm saying it at like an evangelical church and they're like, oh my gosh, don't, don't do that. You're letting the devil in. Then that's fine. That's not about me. That's their reaction. That's part of healing, knowing that their reaction is not, it doesn't have to be mine. But then there's somebody that was like sitting two tables away and they're like, hey, by the way, I meditate too. They're there. And I think it's just more um, normal and mainstream. So more people talk about it openly on the coasts, if you will. And in the middle of the country, people are practicing these things um, in their own way and calling it something different to make it fit into the, basically the language of the area. Yeah. The, the dialect, the regional dialect. Right, the vernacular of what they're comfortable with. Yeah. So I think it's everywhere. It's just mm-hmm. undercover a little more in the Midwest, the center the center of the state, the okay. United States. Right, yes. I definitely felt like I had kind of a coming out sort of feeling because ew, it just, yeah, it's scary when you feel like you're the only one. It's not what people would agree with or whatever. But a lot of that is, again, not my problem. It's how other people react or their response to me. And I had to let go a lot of that. So yeah, well, it's hard to do that until you're in a place where you ultimately love yourself, no matter what anybody else thinks, right. And also, we do have to be in community with people. So there are some people that will be fully rejected, like exiled from their family for certain things. And so there is um, some practicality to keeping those things under a different name. So I, I don't know, for me, it's like, there is this idea of coming out, but I was safe to do that. And some people won't ever be safe to speak in that way, but they can talk to you in a different language. And if you can hear it and translate it, then you're all on the same page anyway. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. And I had stages of my 
awakening where all the way from I can't even talk about it and I had to process it sort of in my own chrysalis and then you know once I started sharing it I really just gained that confidence and it it, it was a whole process but um, I love that image of a chrysalis. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I talk about that in my book because I really love, um, I love this podcast. It's the Jungian life, this this Jungian life. It's all about like Carl Jung and his mm-hmm. philosophies. And I'm just like totally crunch, crushing on it right now. But they talked about how when a butterfly transforms or a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly while it's in the chrysalis, it goes to complete liquid and it's Mm -hmm. called saludio when everything just completely dissolves. And then there's these things called imaginal discs that tell the old DNA where to go for the new butterfly composition and all this is happening in that chrysalis. And then, you know, there's this struggle. It's like the hero's journey all in like the chrysalis. So I got that reference from that podcast. If you love all things, you know, psychological. Um, But yeah, so how, um, I guess I'm looking at some of my other questions that I had for you. Um, How has all this sort of affected let's say your life on a practical level, your parenting or your relationships, if you feel comfortable sharing examples from either of those. Yeah. I mean, I think it, there's no way that it wouldn't affect my parenting as far as I'm a different parent today than I was six months ago. And that person six months ago is so vastly different from the woman who gave birth to my boys. Um, I think the biggest part of this how it affected me on my parenting journey. Um, And actually the thing that comes up most often in the practice when I work with people who are parents is how badly have I screwed them up before I healed myself, right? Oh, amen. This is the part that always is like, people have a hard time healing if they can't get over this because um, there's a pain looking at that. And so as far as me, how it's affected my parenting, everything that I have done for myself are the most effective things I've ever learned about parenting. Healing myself has been the most effective parenting tool beyond the learn how to give an appropriate timeout and, you know, here's this method to do this, like all of that stuff that I was doing in the beginning years, those were, it's like taking an aspirin when you have an appendicitis, right? So the things that I needed to learn to parent my children through were actually things I first needed to learn to parent myself through. Mm-hmm. So it has shifted my whole being because everything I do as a parent now is through the lens of who am I in this situation, knowing that these two human beings know what to do and just need guidance. Like who am I, how am I stopping that and who do I need to be, which is all about surrendering and letting go. Um, And that changed my relationship with my husband. You know, some people heal and they have to leave relationships like marriages behind because they've created those relationships from an unhealthy state. And if both parties aren't either healing at the same time or don't like the healed version or vice versa, um, it can really be rough on intimate relationships. I was lucky enough to have somehow picked a husband that was going to 
who was all about my best qualities. Again, like I could see in the people that I managed, he could see those things in me before I ever did. And so as I healed, it became bigger and like the, the space was already there for me to fill into. Almost like he was, I was finally meeting the person he married as oh, I healed. Yeah. So for me, yeah, it was, um, it's changed our relationship because I can, when he says he loves me, I fully trust that now. Right. Yeah. And the way I am with him is so much more healthy for him. Like in the two of us, I was not, I was not a good wife for years because I was so deep in my pain. I thought that other people were creating my pain. Mm-hmm. And so it's really shifted everything. I have different friendships now. I want different things from friendships. And of course, it's changed my relationship with my father, who is the one that raised me, because I see things with a whole different set of um, perspectacles, if you will, to borrow a phrase from Glennon Doyle. In, and it has been for the better, but it also is with a lot more boundaries that are healthy for myself. And sometimes that's a challenge. But gosh, I wouldn't go back. Even through all the stuff that's been hard and complicated, and I've had to examine where I didn't show up my best self, and it maybe did affect my children, and I'm still dealing with those repercussions today, it's like, it's a heck of a lot better to be on this side of it and know I have tools now to help me, which helps them. There's, as long as I'm growing, that girl back there did the best she could, and now we just keep putting the pieces together one day at a time. So it's shifted everything to to concisely answer your uh, question in a real long way, it shifted everything in the best possible way. Yeah, wow. Well, I wanna talk about the parenting first because I definitely feel like healing yourself helps to heal your lineage. And oh. <laughs> so, um, and like you said, I'm I'm right with you. Like I, I screwed up my kids to a certain degree, but I'm glad that I can now help fix them. <laughs> well. You know, to be honest, like how boring would we all be if there wasn't something there for us to heal through? And I'm not talking about like terrible traumas. Like clearly we don't want to be perpetuating those things, but we're going to mess up. We're freaking human. So that was a huge revelation to me to be like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. I'm going to go do RTT and make enough money to pay for your therapy. Don't worry. Like we got this covered people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a good, that is so funny. Um, and then the marriage thing is interesting because I'm curious, did you align in your opinion when you got married? I mean, of course you did because you got married, but has he grown and evolved and changed or was he kind of, like you said, you grew into the person you were, where was he in this whole journey? Yeah. It's funny because I, my husband is one of those people that people are like, does he ever get angry? Like he's never, like he's so even keeled. Like when I was very first into meditation, it was the thing I would talk about with everybody. I'm like, oh, you have a hangnail? You should meditate. Like it'll fix it. You know, they're like, well, what about your husband? What is he doing? And I'm like, um, I'm pretty sure he lives in a state of meditation like all the time. So there is this idea. So there's a friction when you grow because it's like, grow with me, be interested in the things I'm interested in. So he's not at all interested in the things that I'm interested in, in this way, like reading self-help books or taking a course or learning more about how the emotional resolution, like that's not his bag of tricks. So at first I was like, well, who am I going to talk to about these things? If you don't want to talk to them, then maybe I've got the wrong husband or whatever it is. No, 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 no. 
he's interested in me. And so as long as I'm doing the things that I'm interested in, he's, we're both interesting to each other, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't grown in that he didn't need to grow in these ways. But now as I'm a different person, it does, I do see it reflected that he is also like, huh, in ways he maybe would have been stagnant or the same he's like reassessing whether it has to be that way and he married me because i push his i challenge him like he likes me because i've always been the same person to to the same degree but less healthy so he likes that i bring new ideas and then maybe i plant a seed or talk about something once and then six months later he'll like have a thought about it and i'm like oh my gosh he's really listening to me but he hasn't been on the same growth journey um in the same way although as my health got better, he started taking better care of his health, which led to him like growing kind of a community of friends in the area we live in. So it's different, but parallel, but in different areas, I guess. So yeah, I mean, to be honest, Amy, I've never reflected on it. But now that you say that, I think he did his own growth journey, but it just didn't look like mine. So I didn't acknowledge it or give it any credence or right. yeah, I should go a high five actually now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> High five, honey. What's that for? I just, you'll, just because. Well, he's into CrossFit. And this mm. all started about the same time I got into everything that I'm into. And it's been an evolution, a physical evolution of his body and what he pushes himself to do. So to be honest, yeah, I think he actually has been growing. I never noticed it. I feel kind of bad about that now. <laughs> <laughs> just let it go. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I've been doing other good things. This will be fine. Yeah. Um, were you both Mormon still when you got married? No. No. I love, okay. So my grandmother my grandmother was the one that kind of kept me in the Mormon church. She passed away when I was in high school. When I graduated high school, I was like, all right, bye-bye, people. I'm out. I'm leaving the church. And so um, I was Christian when we met. He was raised Lutheran. Um, but both of us from a more... Um, the angle that we approach religion has been always more liberal, like live and let live. Everybody's experience of God is their own. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that he would state it that way, but that's like when we talk, that's that's the how we're meshed together, that mm -hmm. that fit. That was a value system that interwove from the beginning and that hasn't changed, even as I've actually met and like been like oh my gosh god loves me this is amazing you mm -hmm. all you people were right but i had to go do this other thing to find out um so those values were always there but different okay i mean i never knew <laughs> if you grow up one religion you don't understand how different your religion is from anybody else's until you marry somebody with a different religion you're like you don't believe this? Are you kidding me? This is like a founding principle. And he's like, I've never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you listen to Paul check? He's no, a, I don't know who that is. Oh, he's like a holistic lifestyle coach, but he's, he's in his late fifties and just very, I mean, I would say enlightened in, and very practical. So your husband might. I love practical. Yeah. And uh, yeah, check him out. But he talks about people who get married and they haven't discussed things like uh, vaccinations. And like, that's when the boxing gloves come out because you're like, oh, we probably should have talked about this before we started, you know, on this path. Uh, but yeah. Oh my gosh. 
It, to be honest, in retrospect, I think my husband has probably just like given into my demands along the years in a way to keep the peace, which is not a healthy thing. But it's definitely something we understand now as a dynamic that we're not going to continue to play out because we don't want our kids to see that. So that's actually excellent advice to what are your this is what we should be teaching our kids. What are your values? What's important to you? Here's the things you look for in a significant other. Like not yeah. what color their eyes are or how athletic they are. It's like, what's important to you? Go out and find somebody else who has that aligned value. Yeah. So smart. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I have been considering my oldest is 15 and a half and is in a, a relationship. And I'm starting to consider now what my teaching to my children is going to be on marriage because it's not going to be this is what the church says this is what the bible says like it's going to be more like what you just said and that is very different from how i was raised so you know hopefully we're creating healthy new paradigms in the world thank you for this conversation today amy because i feel like that nugget right there of making sure i understand how to teach my kids about their own values, theirs, not mine, their value system, and how that's important with other people they associate with is something I don't think I've ever put a lot of thought into, but seems needs to move up my priority list. <laughs> well, you have a little time, but as, <laughs> hopefully, as my kids are like, oh, they're like getting taller than me. That means I need to start considering adult topics with them, you know, <sighs> like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I'm real very passionate about just how we're, you know, helping the younger generation, which is kind of why I'm interested in RTT, because Marissa Peer has a whole initiative to get it into the school systems. And I'm like, I don't know, somewhere around me, like, I would love for that. Like, I don't know if I'm the person to, you know, do RTT with kids or how it even gets implemented in our school systems. But we know that we are pretty awakened and we've messed up our kids a lot already. <laughs> like there's a lot of unconsciousness out there and unconscious patterns that are just being perpetuated in the children of our day. So to be honest, I have an opinion on this. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Heal the teachers first because um, I'm not saying teachers are amazing people, to be honest, I could never do that job. Every time I go in there, I'm like, the fact that you guys come back every day, shocking to me. Like, I don't thank you. Amen. Like, God bless you. Yes. But there's also, um, a lot of caring professions like teachers, nurses, people who do therapy with other people come from a background of being pleasers, caregivers, because they have, they're they feel that they have to prove their worth by like caring for other people or giving back. And it that can come with a lot of baggage with it. So I have, I always think it's heal the adult first. Kids can absolutely, they need to be taught about self-esteem and worth and that you're, what somebody says about you doesn't mean it's the truth and all of this. But um, I think every teacher could use some really, really intense self-esteem work as every human could, but they're on the front lines with our children. And if they understand emotional reactions and can see students in from that perspective, it is such a shift. So that's yeah. where if I was to put RTT in the schools, it's like, okay, teachers, let's yes. do sessions. Yes. I love it. Thank you. Cause mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I talk about like healing the parent first, but you're right. Like there's so many 
parents who are sending their kids to school and the the you know the teachers are having that access to them eight hours a day and and they're just doing the best they can I mean they have no resources really for the most part besides with their wits about them so let's (laughs) help their wits (laughs) (laughs) right Um, let me, let's close with the last question. Um, do you have a practical or simple tip that you can offer to someone who's either on this journey of healing or someone, I'm, I'm going to say just this journey of healing from your experience, um, that you can share. Yeah. I mean, practical is, I think the most practical thing is you have to have an awareness. You need to have a space between, um, your thoughts and your reactions so the, the most practical thing you could do is begin to cultivate that. If you are still reacting um, and not able to choose, you know, 80% of the time, choose the reactions you want to have in any given situation, you need to create more space for awareness. So my practical tip on that is you need to start sitting down and reviewing reactions that you're having and seeing what, what was the thought you had before you had the reaction to start noticing where this pattern is coming up for you. In my anger, you know, awareness creates information that you can change your life with. And so the first step to awareness is deciding a place to start. And the place to start is where you're continually having emotional reactions that you're not satisfied with, that are leaving you feeling gross afterwards or disrupting your life or your business or whatever it is. And you need to start retrospectively looking back and saying, what is it that I was feeling at that time? And what was I thinking about myself? And that is an entry point. A a really easy place is to grab a journal and then just either in the evening or in the morning, like pick something and and look, think about it, put some awareness around it because that awareness creates space. Like meditation does, it creates space so that the next time you're in that situation, you can be, oh, I was thinking this. Am I thinking that this time? That's not even true. It's not true. I don't have to do this. I think that's the most practical, like off the cuff thing I can think of is just create awareness. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks. Well, I would love to have you share your website or how people can get a hold of you. And I will put links in the show notes, but let's just say it out loud. So sure. <laughs> people have it in yeah. their front, front of their mind. So I'm Christy Bartelt and Bartelt is B-A-R-T-E-L-T. And so that's my name, christybartelt.com is my website. You can schedule a free consultation call if you ever wanted to know more about RTT or working with me. Otherwise you can find me on Instagram at christy underscore Bartelt. And I share all sorts of random things there. So join the conversation. I love Instagram because it seems like a happier place than Facebook a lot of times, so. (laughs) It is is a pretty happy place most of the time, huh? Not as much of the low vibration chatter (laughs) so okay that's exciting thank you so much for being here it was really great to meet you thank you you too thank you so much for listening if you haven't rated and reviewed the podcast and I'm pretty sure you haven't because the last time I checked there were not very many I would really appreciate you taking the time to give me some honest feedback I know that there are a million bazillion podcasts out there to listen to, and I really hope that I bring you value. For more information on me or on where to follow me and the guests that I have on, visit amykunkel.com.
or follow me on Instagram at Amy underscore Kunkel underscore creative. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.